Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Have you ever said, oh, it just makes me so angry? I think maybe I used to say it. Don't say it anymore, but I used to. Now, some are going to say, oh, okay, everything changed, and so Johnson gets to preach and get his anger out. Well, the truth is, this was already planned before any of this happened. It just becomes a great illustration of what I want to talk about today. I hope to make this a positive experience rather than a negative one when I say this day, this Lord's Day, this Sunday is going to be dedicated to anger. We're going to talk about anger all day. I don't want it to be a negative thing. I don't want it to be something that puts a black cloud over your life. What I would like for it to do is to inspire all of us to understand biblically what God wants us to know about anger. Anger is a powerful emotion, and we need to understand it. So when we come to our text and God begins with these words, be angry, that almost doesn't seem right. I mean, God is our Father, and He's talking to us as a Father. Have you ever turned to your children and said, be angry? I don't recall ever doing that. I do recall on many occasions trying to rechannel the anger into something beneficial. But God actually says to us in a command form, be angry. Here's what's interesting that I had never really picked up on before. This is actually an Old Testament quote from Psalm 4 and verse 4. Where David is talking about God coming to his rescue. And then God speaking to the people, the, the people who, to whom he wants to have relationship and whom he's going to help. And he says, in your situation, be angry, but do not sin. And have these meditations on your heart during the night, the text refers to. I want us to think today, as we think about anger, I, I want to ask some questions. I want to know, where does anger come from? What's the original source? What, is, what does anger do for us? Why does God want us to be angry? And what am I supposed to learn? What warnings has God given me? in this time of anger because he says be angry and do not sin. So this morning I want you to be angry and then tonight be angry but do not sin. Let's think for a few minutes about anger. It's, it's something that every one of us can relate to, some more than others. Uh, there are people who really have rage, and, and it blows up, and it has a real hard time staying in a controlled fashion. Others hardly ever get angry, at least not on the outside. It might be boiling a little bit on the inside, but we can all relate to anger. Whether we have had a lot of it or a little, we've certainly seen a lot of anger. 
And we've lived through a period of time this year that has produced a lot of anger. Let us understand it. First of all, think with me about this. God is an emotional being. When you think about God, we think about a lot of things that connect with Him, uh, His power and His might and His intelligence and His omnipresence. Do we often talk about God's emotions? God is an emotional being. We see the emotion of God, I think, in creation. In creation, as God is making this planet, we see the emotional side of God. Every one of us knows that we can take trips and, and we can go to special places and we have all of these things that we see and we experience and we think and say, that is beautiful, that is magnificent. We go outside on a, right after a rain and we look for a rainbow and, and we say, that's wonderful. After each day of creation, God said, it is good. I hadn't thought about this until I was thinking about this lesson and it came to my mind. I think God was pleased with himself. I think God looked at the creation and he said, this is really nice. Or maybe in the language that I grew up with, maybe God looked at it and said, this is cool. God's emotional. And he said, it's good. But then he made man and he made woman. And after that part of the creation, God said, this is very good. I looked in at Genesis chapter 2 and in verse 9. Chapter 1 of Genesis describes the days of creation. Chapter 2 of Genesis describes the final day of creation, giving more depth and substance to what he did. And in chapter 2 verse 9, the Bible says, that God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put every tree and all things that were pleasant to the eyes. You see, God has an emotional nature to him. He is an emotional being. And in his creation, I see that. I see that God is emotional about what he made. I also know that the Bible describes oftentimes the emotions of God. God is depicted in Scripture as a compassionate being. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the cursing that I have set before you, and you call them to mind when you are among the nations where the Lord your God will drive you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. According to all that I command you, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, notice that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. 
that he will have compassion on you when he brings you back from all the nations to which he scatters you. God is a God of compassion. He cares. To care and to have compassion is to feel and to have the emotion that goes along with it. God is compassionate. So that when he sees his creation that he labeled very good, when he sees them suffering, when he sees them hurting, God is compassionate as an emotional being. The Bible also presents God as a jealous God. In the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 4, you shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make any image like anything in heaven or anything in the air, anything on the earth or anything in the water that is under the earth. For I am a jealous God, visiting iniquity upon the people to the third and fourth generation. God is a jealous God. God says, I have first place. I made you. I created you. You cannot then bow down to any other God, any other form of a God, any other image of God. I am God. And when God looks down from heaven and he sees his creation worshiping other things and other gods, his jealousy is aroused. And God gets displeased and angry. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 11, God had appointed Saul as the king of his people because the people decided we want to have a king like all the nations around us. And so God said, okay, I'm going to let you have one. He had already warned them that things would not go well. 1 Samuel 15, it began. Saul led the people into sin. Saul disobeyed God. Saul did not wait for an opportunity for a prophet, Samuel, to come and offer a sacrifice. He took it upon himself. He didn't trust God. He didn't, wasn't patient with God prior to a war. And God in verse 11 said, I am displeased. Or as it's translated, I regret that I made Saul king. He used that same terminology in Genesis 6 when the, all the earth became full of sin and God brought the flood it was because he regretted that he had made man. The actual word is to be displeased, to be in sorrow, to hurt. And that displeasure, that sorrow leads to anger. When God looked at Moses as Moses kept trying to get out of doing what God wanted him to do, to lead the people out of Egypt, God had had all of the excuses he could take. And the Bible says, and he was angry with Moses. 
See, God is an emotional being. And we see his emotions on display. Anger is one of them. In the second place, we are emotional beings as well. Think about this. When God created, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In chapter 2 and in verse 7 of Genesis, the Bible says, And God made man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. They put him in that garden. This word, being, is the same word where God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul. When God breathed into Adam, he made him an emotional being. Breathing his very emotions into the body of Adam that he had just created. He became a living soul, a living being. We became emotional creatures because we're made in the image of God. And God is an emotional being. So why would he do that? What is the purpose of emotions? I've heard some people say, I wish I weren't so emotional. I, I wish I could get rid of this. I wish... I no, you don't. Because I've also heard others say, I, I wish I had more emotion. I wish I could feel more deeply. God made us in His image. And when he breathed into Adam, he gave him his own emotions from his own self. God wants us to be emotional people. How? What is the purpose of them? I did a little research to see what the scientists, the doctors, the psychologists say about why we have emotions. Not how do, where do they come from? Meaning any evolutionary thing is what they kept saying. I, I don't obviously believe that. We believe in creation. God created man. He gave them the emotions. But what they said about why they are here makes perfect sense. One, emotions are a God-given alarm system for us that says... It's time for action. When you see something that just is so exciting, the action is, I want to do something. I want to clap. I want to jump. I want to smile. I want to be happy. It says, here's the alarm. Something needs to happen. Number two, emotions are, they say, a body system regulator. That is, emotions then set the body in motion and takes the systems of the body and prepares them to be able to act 
on what you have just experienced. It sets up the body to respond in that way. Number three, emotions are the glue that connects our thoughts to our experiences. How many times have you heard a song and then you experience an emotion from the time connected to that song in the past? Maybe you were on a special date years ago and that song played. And the feeling that you had Years later, when experiencing that song again, you get that same emotional connection. That experience and your thoughts have been glued together so that you can experience it again. God gave us emotions so that we can have these wonderful and necessary experiences again. But finally, fourth, they said, emotions are our motivational speaker for the future. Our emotions motivate us so that we will go into the future excited or aware because of something we experience here in the emotion connected to it, it says, okay, in the future, get ready. One of the things that they used as an example, the man said, if sometime in the past you needed something quick to drink and you just grabbed the milk out of the refrigerator and you started to swig it and it had curdled and it was nasty, he said, once you spit it out and you're crazy and things are bad, you now have an emotion connected to that, don't you? And he says in the future, when you run to the refrigerator to grab that milk, you're not just going to chug it down, are you? No, you're going to smell it. You're going to make sure because I don't want to go through that again. But on the other side of things, when you experience something over here that's so great and wonderful, you want to have it again. And you try to figure out a way to reproduce that. And the emotions are our motivational speakers that say, oh, the future's coming. Be ready. Finally, in the third place, God wants our whole selves. He doesn't want us to hold back. God doesn't want us to have partial gifts to Him. He wants everything. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Concentrate for just a minute on that word soul. 
Love the Lord your God with all your soul. That's the same word used in the creation in Genesis 2. Man became a living soul or being. Man became a being, a creature with God's emotions. And whereas we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, it may be loving God with our emotions. Oh, individuals do. I'm always impressed with people who when talking about the crucifixion of Jesus, the men who lead us before that, who might get choked up. To me, that's not a weakness. That's a powerful demonstration of loving God with your whole soul. God wants us to give our souls to Him. Therefore, God, when He breathed His emotions into Adam, He wants us to use our emotions for Him as well. Think about this. God wants us to be compassionate like He is. In the story of the Good Samaritan that you know quite well, the man who fell among thieves, two religious men passed by and did nothing. And the Samaritan, hated by all the people, came and put him on his own donkey and took him into town. And the Bible shows the reaction. And Jesus said, go and do Likewise, God wants us to have a compassion for people, not just a thought. When we do our food baskets this year, as we have for many years, it's not just about the action and the substance of a box of food to people. It's about us having compassion for people who are less fortunate than we. Number two, God wants us to be jealous. I know that sounds strange, doesn't it? God wants us to be jealous. But in the New Testament, the word for jealous is the word zeal. Paul said of himself in 2 Corinthians 11 in verse 2, to those Corinthians, he said, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have betrothed you to one husband, Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm jealous that you would give yourself to someone else besides Jesus. I've taught you to love him. To serve Him. And when you don't do it, as Corinth experienced a lot of problems, and we've been studying that on Wednesday nights, Paul, it bothered him. He was jealous that they would give their full support to God, to Jesus. We should be the same. When the Corinthians repented in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, the things that it created in them, one of them was... What zeal it created in you. What jealousy it created in you. I know the word jealousy has a bad connotation, but when you think about it in the spiritual sense, it created, notice, 
this connection to God and to, that you have with no other. And you don't share that with anybody else. Just like you would expect that a husband and a wife would not share themselves with someone else, only with you. That's godly jealousy. And yes, God wants us to be angry. Be angry, God said. But God's anger is not an out-of-control rage. It is not an anger that leads to sin. His anger is an anger related to the things that are right and good and proper and the things that are not should make us angry. But in a controlled way. Now tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to be angry without sinning. And what's going on in that passage? And is it really true when I say, you made me angry? I'll give you a hint. No. That's tonight. But as we close today, think about this. It's God's jealousy and His anger that produced the cross. And it's His compassion that made Him send Jesus. Think about that. Because of His compassion, His jealousy over our relationship with Him, and His anger at sin, that is the cross of Jesus. And that is where we find our meaning, our lives, our salvation. And we call you to that as we do all of the time. And as we close our thoughts today, I hope that you will think about the life that you have with Jesus and expect that He will be compassionate toward you, jealous over you, and angry when you're not right. But He gives you an opportunity to get it right. I want to call you to that. Thank you for joining us online today. Please, if you need us in any way, reach out to us by email, by phone. Let us know how we can be involved with you and show you the compassion of God through us. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.